The housing crisis in St Andrews has attracted local and national attention. Students have spoken out about the immense difficulty of finding houses, with some failing to secure fixed accommodation before the start of term. Even when they do, some claim they are left living in what they deem to be unsuitable accommodation. The average cost of a student house has soared in recent years, with many finding that their student loan cannot cover a year's worth of rent. This student accommodation crisis has been partly caused by national factors, not least the legacy of COVID, which has led to a rising number of students admitted to university. However, St Andrews students must also contend with a multitude of local factors. HMO licensing, changes to Scottish tenancy laws, and a university accommodation infrastructure that has become increasingly strained by an ever-growing student population. Some might say that this is evidence of university mismanagement, an accusation that the university strenuously denies. The Campaign for Affordable Student Housing, also known as CASH, has taken an increasingly important role in efforts to combat the accommodation issues faced by students. They have led protests, marches and demonstrations to raise awareness about the severity of the issue and hope to, in dialogue with the university, reach some form of solution. From The Saint, I'm Isabel Lopesher. This week on Saint Speaks, cash and the fight for affordable housing. Vice Director, have joined me today to provide an insight into the issues surrounding the housing crisis and explain the ever-growing significance of their efforts. So Barry, cash has risen to university notoriety, but what exactly is cash? Um, so we're the Campaign for Affordable Student Housing, um, and we're in town, we've, you know, we, you see we've risen, risen to notoriety, but I think it's because the housing crisis is the biggest issue facing students in St Andrews. Um, and it seems to be that there's very few people who have a position of power doing anything about it. Um, and so we've risen as a campaign to kind of address that gap, to kind of hold those people accountable, to try and get some change to, you know, we can see that our friends and our neighbours are suffering so much just now with, whether it's unsuitable housing, mouldy bedrooms and things like that, or whether it's the fact that housing is just unaffordable for such a large cohort of students. And so as a campaign, you know, our position, our directive, I guess, is to try and fix that um, and to try and, you know, readdress the balance within the housing market to make sure that it's accessible for all students in time. And do you think this has been an ongoing problem, that there's sort of a vacuum of communication between the students who are experiencing these problems and the people who are ultimately sort of responsible for ensuring that whilst at university we have safe, affordable suitable housing to live in absolutely yeah um i think you know there's been a lot of in the last few months when things have got a lot more serious there's been a lot of like student consultancy groups and stuff that have have looked at the housing crisis and they've got in touch with us and told us this is the biggest issue that is facing students overwhelmingly and yet we have a university that has not done a single consultation on students of the impacts of the housing crisis they you know we've got things like the environmental form and we've got these public forums where students can come and they can voice their issues and they're given a space to talk about it and we don't have that with accommodation and yet it impacts absolutely everyone in town so there is such a vacuum just now of the university especially 
not really considering the scale of the problem and not considering the impacts. And I feel like the problem's become particularly acute this year and it sort of arrives in two forms. One is that some people simply are not able to get housing and the second that even when there is housing it's exceptionally expensive. So what are the types of experiences that have been recounted to you of people either being unable to afford the housing that's provided in St Andrews or simply being without a house at the start of the semester? I'm a postgrad student, I was coming in for September 5th, I'd only accepted my offer at the end of May and I'd never been to St Andrews, I did, I knew, I'd heard of people going here but I didn't know anyone really who goes here, it was just not on my radar for the last three years. Um, and then on the 9th of August, I get an email saying, um, if you don't have accommodation, can you email back at 9am the next day telling us that you don't have accommodation? And me and my friends, who like two of my friends who applied, we were like, oh, what's going on here? Um, then we get an email the next day, no like actual correspondence, it's not a person, it's just apply for Dundee accommodation here, click the link for a Google form, it's open till the end of the week. And we know that there's 140 spaces left in Dundee because they keep banging on about it and it doesn't seem like there's only 140 people who've been emailed this but we have no correspondence with the university so we actually have no idea um so like until the 9th to the is it 25th i think it's the 25th there's like very little correspondence from the university and on the 25th of august i get an email saying um if you want a space in lucas respond in the next five days um and between the 9th and the 25th i've been calling every single day saying why is there no accommodation why have the postgraduate halls been taken? What's been going on? And the only thing I ever hear is them saying, well, we didn't actually give postgraduate students a guarantee. We only give first year undergraduate students a guarantee. Like, you should have seen this. It was in, it was in the email that we sent you, whatever. I say, can I drop out? They say, you spent 500 pounds on a non-refundable like, non deposit. You have to come. Um, so it's like two and a half weeks before uni starts and like, I have nowhere to live. And I only really get somewhere to live on the 3rd of September because I met somebody on Facebook and it's still incredibly expensive to the point that my, a friend of mine who I offered to live with me could not afford it. £700 per month, it's very, very expensive. And when I tell people in St Andrews, oh, I'm paying this much for where I live, they often say, oh, that's actually quite good for where you're living. I'd like to say now, £700 a month is not a good price for rent. We have been, we live in this tiny St Andrews bubble where we think it is. I've never paid more than £100 a week in my, like, in Leamington Spa in the Midlands. That's normal prices. And even now, my house from, like, two years ago is £90 a week, still. And do you think your experience is unique, or have you had many other people who have had very similar situations? I've heard so many people have so many worse situations than me, like, than me. Like, a couple of my postgrad friends were living with me in my flat. Like, one of my friends was living out of my room until the 28th of September, because the university hadn't finished building his accommodation. So the university claimed that this housing crisis is simply symptomatic of a larger national problem, that it's not St Andrews specific, but rather just in line with the rise of the rising prices of houses throughout the UK, with um, more people going to university, with more students being accepted, and that this isn't a St Andrews specific problem, but it fits into a larger narrative. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is important, like, when we're talking about the housing crisis to sort of frame it in the context of the wider issues. Um, we're also facing, you know, a massive um, increase in the cost of halls. And St Andrews is one of the most expensive places in the UK to rent as a student for university-provided accommodation. Um, we did then see, you know, 
the situation got worse in the last few months with what happened all across the UK with the A-level um, and the higher grade inflation um, through exam results, which meant that a lot more students were going to university than the university had anticipated for. Um, but I don't think it's fair that St Andrews University, you know, just says that this is part of a, a more national crisis. You know, St Andrews, in the months before the A-level and the higher crisis um, hit, St Andrews took on 20 times more postgraduate students than they did in the previous year. Um, and, you know, that it's almost unfathomable, like 20 times more postgraduate students. It seems that the reasons that they did that was they could see that their budgets were going to be hit by COVID. You know, they announced, for the students who were here during it, they announced that, I think it was like a £25 million loss, they had said in emails. And so they were anticipating this and they thought, well, what we're going to do is we are going to then take on a lot more postgraduate students and we're going to fill that gap. They couldn't have anticipated that a few months later, suddenly they'd be taking on a phenomenal amount of undergraduate students. But that doesn't mean to say that that decision was then any less reckless um, and it doesn't mean to say that they should not then accept responsibility for that. Um, yeah. So in that way, do you think even if the university isn't directly responsible for setting the prices um, asked for by private landlords, they still have an impact on, and they still have a responsibility to ensure that that private housing market isn't as saturated as we've seen it become? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know they've also then got the, the secondary responsibility as they are guardians of this town essentially. St Andrews University makes up 50% of the population of this small town and the university has an obligation to the community to be able to provide a sustainable amount of student housing, purpose-built student accommodation to be able to ensure that there is a balance between the private market and the pressures in that and what they're able to provide as an institution and they're not doing that. You know we saw Albany Park get knocked down, we are not going to see, which is you know, it was the cheapest student accommodation and, and a lot of students relied on it. Um, we're now not going to see Albany Park get built until almost 10 years after it was demolished. That was not part of the plan that was sold to students when it was knocked down. The replacement of the halls that, that you know, Whitehorn was essentially the interim replacement, it was opened the year after, that was 50% more expensive than the bedrooms in Albany Park. And so the university you know, can talk about and say, well, there is these wider contexts and things to the crisis, and for sure there is, but there is also a massive um, gap in what you know the responsibility of this institution should be for providing housing, um, and they do then, they are at fault for a lot of these reasons. They do have an opportunity to fix this. So on this note of just the complete lack of housing, Cash have claimed that at the beginning of the semester there was 350 undergrads who did not have a place to live. How did you arrive at this statistic? So we found out that information. We launched a survey um, of students who still didn't have a home um, before the start of semester. And it was the very end of July that we launched it and it ran through August. Um, and we had asked students, um, it was quite a simple question. Um, we got some more information afterwards about people could leave responses about how it had impacted them. But you know, fundamentally the question just asked, do you still not have housing for the start of semester, which would have just been in a few weeks' time from when we launched it? Um, and at its peak, you know, we got just over 400 signatures um, in the end of people who didn't have it. Now, that's not to say that there are 400 homeless students in St Andrews. You know, we were very clear in um, the way that we proposed the survey of it was just 
a, a snapshot almost of how many students didn't have accommodation at that time. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's testament to the scale of the crisis. Just a few weeks before semester, almost 400 students still didn't have accommodation um, and they were left with virtually zero communication from the university. At this point, as we were, as we were researching it, we had got in touch with every single estate agent in town um, and you know, unanimously they had told us there is no homes left. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what that survey was. So the university have said in previous comments to the Saint that Cash has persistently made false claims about the extent of the housing squeeze in St Andrews and that the figure of 350 students is without evidence. What would you say to that? Why do you think that the university deny that there seems to even be a housing problem? Because it makes them look bad. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, like this uni run on public image um, as, you know, they, they don't like to call themselves a business. Um, you know, technically they are a charity. They're one of Scotland's largest and most profitable charities. Um, but. You know they're they're not a business, um, so the the position of the university goes, um, but you know their 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 income relies on people wanting to come here, um, and because of that it relies on their public image, um, and so you know the, I don't think they will ever address, um, ever address the actual scale of the crisis because it impacts people's you know desire to come here. But you know of what you said, um, I have to really dispute what the university say because. The university, so when this all happened in August and when we launched the survey and when students were really hurting and they were coming to us with all these issues, um, and like you say, Tuba, you know, it was such a stressful and anxious time for so many students in town. This all kicked off over summer and it was a, a lot of the cash committee were gone and they were on holiday, like we had people in Fiji and everything. So, like, to be quite honest with you, like, the entire response of it was me at my laptop for like eight hours a day messaging hundreds of students constantly trying to you know coordinate this entire response of of essentially the only response to all of it so you know from emailing private private landlords emailing you know the, the government everything like like going through all these different avenues um, and unfortunately like it was left to largely one person to do this because the university um, was doing nothing but I have to really take up the you know what, what's upsetting to have then seen the university speak to things like the saint and say that our, our figures are without foundation is that for example what they did with the 350 we were very careful to say um, back on this was on the 3rd of August and we gave an update we said you know August 3rd update the total number of students who have told us they are without a home for next academic year is 350 but immediately after it, we had said, our total count includes no speculation or guesswork and is a combined total of individual responses we have received. It has become clear that the university has significantly underestimated how many students would be impacted by this crisis until we began our campaign. But importantly, we are continuing to share our data with the university. And so the university got in touch with us because we were the only ones who then did this consultation of students. We know that they had very different um, numbers of lists between different departments that weren't communicating of how many students didn't have a home and so what we did is we shared our entire survey with them and they read it they we they got shared across the entire senior leadership team it got shared in meetings with university court they know exactly how many students contacted cash 
And so for them to come to the same and say that that figure has no foundation is, it's a lie. Like they have seen that information and they are continuing to push a narrative that, you know, the, the information that we worked hard to collect and the information that we were very clear is no guesswork, is simply just from students contacting us. If they are disputing that, then they are disputing the experience of the students of St Andrews. So in this way, and with your experience of interacting with the university on this issue, do you think they've been willing to cooperate with cash or have you seen the relationship deteriorate into a situation where it's a bit more combative? Um, yeah, the, re the relationship has really deteriorated. Um, over time, as I think we got more proactive um, and perhaps you know some people would describe our tactics as a bit more hostile um, to be honest I, I think that's a fair um, you know it's 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 a fair way to describe things we are a bit more hostile because this is a very serious issue and they have a lot of responsibility here to to fix this crisis and they're not doing it so we are going to hold them to account you know we had we've had meetings with the university when we did start to hold them to account more we were shut out of those meetings. Um, it took me speaking publicly at you know a public university, a public meeting of the university, um, to get a meeting with Sally Mapstone. Um, this was back in May. In this meeting, um, it was just me and, and, and the principal. Um, I warned her that you know this is months before this crisis hit. I warned her and said you know like I spend. <laughs> almost all of my time looking at housing stuff like it's it's become you know this like passion almost and I'd said I I really think that we're about to see a crisis in September and my my words were where we have hundreds of students who are going to be without a home and I was told that I was incorrect and that I was I, I was ill-informed and um, that I was the only student yet to speak to the principal um, of these issues and so that she was inclined to think that this was not an issue. And then fast forward a few months, I'm having to email the principal in university court saying there are hundreds of students who don't have a home. Um, and since that point forward, we have had you know, no communication with the university. They, they just continue to direct us to um, student representatives and stuff. But I think you know, a key thing about cash and about our, our you know, we said at the start, notoriety, is that people really trust us now. Um, people trust us as a voice for accommodation and they don't trust the university. We've managed to collect a lot of responses and experiences and the university, if they really care about accommodation, they'd want to work with us and they'd want to understand where our position is informed from um, and what we think, you know, could, could, could fix this crisis. If they're not going to, then, you know, there's a... And in an ideal world, what would their response be? Their response to cash. Their response to cash and the measures that could be put in place to do to go some way in lessening the housing crisis. Um, I think the response would be to have meetings with us. Um, to you know we've got we've got a team of really dedicated people who who spend a lot of time on these issues, who understand these issues well, who work in housing in many different ways, um, who have a unique perspective to the issues through even just personal experience of them. Um, and the university, if considering they don't, they haven't consulted students, they don't have this open forum where they, where they find out what students want. Um, cash really is that now. Um, and, you know, 
ideally they'd, they'd be working with us, we'd be in those meetings with senior leadership, we'd be in meetings with the director of residences, we'd be in meetings about the future of accommodation, like you know when we're talking about the new Albany Park being built, that should have student input at the heart of it, um, and it doesn't, none of this does. But what policies could they practically put in place to lessen the housing crisis, reduce the cost of accommodation? If you were in charge, you were now Sally Mapstone, what would you do? Oof. I mean, I mean, if I was Sally Mapstone, um, yeah, there's a few things that I would do. Um, number one is reduce the cost of halls. Um, and so um, halls are already far too expensive. And considering that we have, you know, if we're talking about the, the Scottish students at this university, 50% of Scottish students come from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, they also have access to a lot less um, student funding than pretty much any other student um, group in the UK. Um, and yet they make up 30% of the university. Um, the cheapest halls of residence is pretty much the entire um, student loan that a Scottish student's entitled to. So I would, as a first step, reduce the cost of halls, but also bring forward the date of construction for new halls. We have, tw since we knocked on Albany Park, we've got 1,200 more students, and yet we have, we've got an extra 140 bedrooms in Dundee, <laughs> which you know some, some people even you know aren't happy with. Like that's not what they came to St Andrews for. They didn't want to study in Dundee University. Also, I've heard some stories about people like not being able to like open their windows in Dundee, where two friends of mine, international students, also postgraduates, and one of them was like, oh, have you figured out how to open a window yet? And she was like, oh, you go into the room next to yours, you tap it here, and then the other one, like, you have to make sure someone's in the room next to you so you can both hold it up at the same time. So it's not even that accommodation is really expensive, it's that it's completely unsuitable as well. It's inadequate. Yeah, yeah. Deeply inadequate. It's, it's completely inadequate, yeah. Um, and. So, you know, we, we need to bring forward and we need to make sure that when we are bringing forward the the construction of new halls, it can't just be the same, it can't just be a copy and paste of Whitehorn. That's already too expensive for people. Um, when we got Whitehorn, um, you know, we were told this is going to be a, a more affordable accommodation. And yet only 40% of the bedrooms are actually affordable. The rest of them are the most expensive in St Andrews. Um, and so that's, that's two things I would do. I would also ensure then that the student population is actually in balance with the needs of the town. Like we don't live in a big city like Glasgow, um, which you know, fair, Glasgow is also, a lot of universities across the UK are really feeling housing pressures. But in big places like Glasgow and in big cities, there is this buffer zone um, that has easy transport links and things to you know, sort of suburb areas. St Andrews doesn't have that. St Andrews has a very small town, which is a conservation area. It's very hard to build in. Um, and the towns that are around us are, you know, we've got to remember that, like, we do genuinely live in a bubble. St Andrews is quite a wealthy town, but it's a wealthy town in one of the poorest areas of Scotland. And it's absolutely unacceptable that the influence of, of the of the housing crisis, which is, you know, largely being manufactured by the university through student increases, then starts to impact these much poorer towns that surround us and suddenly we just start taking over housing there. We need to make sure um, that the student population is in balance with the needs of the town of St Andrews. And Cash have been branching out, you haven't been just focusing on addressing the housing crisis, but you've been taking other measures um, surrounding the cost of living crisis, food drives. How do you think these issues tie together? Um, it's like 
It's a very, it, when you look at it and you take yourself out of it, it's like a really simple issue. People can't afford to rent. Like that means they can't really afford to do anything else outside of that because they're spending most of their time spending money trying to exist in the world, trying to exist in the world as a student. As a student, they're trying to just eat to live. They can't actually enjoy their lives. It's not sustainable. So I think a big part of the food bank drive was making sure that like you don't have to worry at least about your next meal. Like I think there's such a perception that because we're all students, like we're not all just living off of our student loans, which most of us are. Um, and because of the housing crisis, people are all trying to get like these student jobs. There are no jobs available either. It's just like a constant cycle. Because there is no housing, there is no means to live. Yeah, I think like when it's put into the context of the cost of living crisis, which for many of us has just got so much more severe in the last few months. Yeah, if you're a tenant, the your single biggest monthly expense is rent, and so you know, the more and more that we're spending on rent, when we're then seeing the, the cost of living crisis get much worse and, and that smaller pot of money that we've got left is just stretched even further across so many more expenses from heating um, to food to travel for the students that now live outside. Um, I think as a campaign, we have recognised that and we've seen, you know, not only is there very few people in power, you know, making the right decisions and in student interests on housing, but also on the cost of living um, and just, you know, I mean, quite literally the cost of living for students to be able to live and exist in this town. Um, they're also not doing enough on that as well. And so as a campaign, we have branched out um, and we are looking at, you know, all the other ways that we can best support our community through these, through these just multiple crises. So on the topic of all of these issues, do you think in the next year or few years, at the end of the day, that is... Um, there is hope for some form of resolution or do you think that the problems are only going to become more severe? Um, I'm hopeful but that's because of the work that people like Cash do. Like I think if the university listened to us, if they worked with us, then we'd have a lot more hope. But the fact of the matter is we're in a climate emergency. We are in a deep in a housing crisis that has been going the past 40 years in a, like in a place where you've only got 20,000 affordable homes left in in England anyway I don't know about the whole UK it's like there's things that the university can do to offset it and make their community a little bit stronger in the face of a national like cost of living crisis and if they work with us maybe in the next few years we'll, we could start offsetting it ever so slightly yeah I think um you know it's Hopefully in a few years, like, you know, things are going to start to turn around. Um, I think this has been a real turning point for, perhaps not for the university, um, we'll wait and see exactly what they, they do about housing, but for other people who are responsible for the Scottish government, um, you know, we just got the rent freeze in Scotland. Um, we have a Scottish government that is at least saying that they are committed to bringing in rent controls in Scotland over the next few years. Um, at least they're saying 2024, I think that needs to happen a lot earlier. Um, we do have five council who are now have recognised the, the, the very acute housing crisis, student housing crisis in St Andrews, um, and are starting to look at other options. And so there is there has been positive change in the last while. I think the students as well are a lot more radicalised on the issues and about what needs to happen, and they're a lot more willing to, to take action and to you know, do things like protests and email MPs and, and, and all things like that. I do think it's important though that we, we 
we understand what's about to happen in the next few years and, and we frame it for students and for prospective students. Um, the rent freeze is going to end in a few months, um, it ends in March. Um, we have just seen in the last, you know, in the last month with the um, mini budget that came out, we've seen interest rates go sky high for mortgages. As soon as the rent freeze is, um, as soon as the rent freeze, you know, you know comes to an end, um, we're almost certainly going to see rents go sky high. For some landlords, their um, their mortgages, their monthly payment on their mortgages has doubled just in the last few weeks, and that. Um, is going to be transferred to tenants, absolutely. Um, for a town where a lot of the private housing is you know, mortgaged and it is people taking up buy-to-lets and they are paying a mortgage, we are really gonna see the impact of that in the private housing market. We also are, you know, there's, there's wider issues of Dundee University um, are wanting to increase their student population. We were quite lucky when the housing crisis hit in St Andrews because um, this was I'm talking just about you know in the in August of this year, um, because our semester date starts earlier than Dundee, we could people like Tuba got the email to say there was no accommodation earlier than Dundee students would, which meant that there was this frantic panic and a lot of students managed to find private housing in Dundee. Now Dundee students are living in hotels, they're living in Airbnbs because they didn't have that access. I think my concern is that we've now got you know hundreds of students living in Dundee. What's going to happen is that the St Andrews student, the population, which is largely international and generally leaves over summer, that's not something that happens in Dundee, when those leases are given up, the Dundee students who tend to live in the town for the entire four years, you know, they don't often leave, is that Dundee students have now recognised this crisis and they're going to snap up those homes. Um, and, you know, we are going to be in a worse position next year than we currently are now. Never mind just for the availability of housing, but absolutely for the cost. We, you know, it's quite scary to even think about how much rent is going to increase once the rent once the rent freeze is over. Um, and so this is going to impact our time for a long time to come. Um, and even with effective legislation it's still going to take a long time for us to really feel the benefits of it as tenants. Many thanks to Barry and Tuba. You can learn more about Cash and the work that they do by following their Instagram, at St Andrews Cash, or alternatively, their Facebook. You can read more about the housing crisis on the Saint's website, www.thesaint.scot. The University of St Andrews has consistently denied Cash's claims, stating that there were no undergraduate students without a home at the beginning of the semester. In previous comments to the Saint, the university has said, all our undergraduate entrance students have been offered accommodation, in line with St Andrews's long-standing guarantee. Our residences team has worked enormously hard to support and help offer accommodation to students who told us at the start of August that they'd been unable to find a place. As of 16th of September, there are no undergraduate students on our waiting list for a university accommodation. They have further stated that they will continue to work hard on accommodation challenges in the year ahead, recognising the stress students can encounter and lobbying for changes to local and national policies which impact housing provision here and elsewhere in Scotland. That's it for today. This episode was produced and edited by William Finlater. We'll be back next week. Thank you.